Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Well, I have a unique experience on this earth that I am often confused with someone else. I am an identical twin... And um, because I'm an identical twin, I get the name, I am called the wrong name way more often than most people. Here we are, my twin sister is turning 50 this year, and um, (laughs) part of just the territory of of being born an identical twin, sharing a one with someone, is that you just go through life being called the wrong name, regularly being called the wrong name. Now here is another little layer to this. My twin sister lives the next town over. So we live in Palatine. She lives in Barrington, eight minutes door to door. And so if I head west, I know that I am headed into the identity danger zone. So there are certain places like Costco. I am prepared when I go into Costco, which just sits right between the two towns, that At least 50% of the time, a stranger will stop me and they will start a conversation with me. Does this happen to you guys? Like, I'm, uh, this person is starting to talk to me and it takes me a few minutes to go, do I know you or not? And by the time I'm trying to figure this out, we are already like five or six sentences in. And at this point, it's too late to say, I'm Mary. So I just roll with it. I just keep going. How are the kids? The kids are great. They're doing really well. And I know enough to answer most of the questions. I just hope, <laughs> hope and pray that it stays surfacy. Because once they go, well, did you get the email that I sent? Then I'm busted. And that has happened where I am so far in. I'm like, ah, actually, I am actually Molly. I'm actually Molly. So first name, identity problems. But then, then I... I have a last name that can tend to confuse people. So our last name is Kiefer, and it is K-I-E-F-E-R. Now, if you don't know us, and you're just reading my name off of maybe a roster or the grand prize raffle ticket, you might say Kiefer. Has anyone called us the Kiefer's Kiefer, right? So I get it, I-E. You say it looks like Kiefer. So I have a double whammy situation. I have first and last name confusion. But if you know me, if you've had experience, if you're in a relationship with me, you call me Molly Kiefer, right? But then there's this layer of people that they, they do, they know exactly who I am. They know the difference between Mary and I, maybe by the, our face shape or experience that we've had or our, our tone of voice, whatever it may be. And they not only call me Molly, but there are those that are close to me that they call me Mall, Mall. Or malls with a Z, which is my personal favorite. Like if you call me that, you know me pretty well, pretty well. And then there are three people on the earth that call me mama or mom or my oldest who still calls me mommy and for some reason likes to do it with an I in a very high tone. But I love it. I love it. I love it. So if you, it, it, the name that you use with me, it just, it, it reveals the relationship that we have, doesn't it? Names are important because they, they invite us into a certain type of relationship. Names matter. Names matter. Now, Isaiah, the prophet, um, way, way, way before Jesus was born, 
He clues us into who Jesus will be for us. He tells us what kind of relationship that we can have with God. And this is what he writes in Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So way before Jesus could prove who he was going to be for us, to us, Isaiah gives us a name. This is the name of God, the name that you can call him on this earth. This is who, that God, this is who God wants to be for you, the type of relationship he wants to have with you. He wants to be a wonderful counselor to you. He wants to be an everlasting father, a mighty God for us. He wants to be your prince of peace on this earth. Again, like years and years and years before Jesus was ever born. And here is the amazing thing, that, um, that Isaiah had this insight about who God would be, but God revealed his name to humanity even farther back in history to a man named Moses. To a man named Moses and um, when God was, was showing up with uh, the, his name of who he would be for Moses, here's the situation. Israel, at this point, they were God's people. They were his nation. And they were living as slaves in Egypt. And they had it bad. They had the roughest life imaginable. They were overworked. They were oppressed. They owned nothing of their own. And in their slavery, in their trouble, they were crying out to God, like, God, do you see our misery? Do you see how bad life is for us? And God said that he heard their cries and his heart was moved. His heart was moved to the point where he was like, you know what, I'm going to come and I'm going to relieve you. I'm going to take you out of this land of slavery and I'm going to take you into the promised land. You're going to own your own land and have your own vineyards. And he said, Moses, you're going to do this. You're going to take my people out of slavery. You're going to come against Pharaoh, the strongest ruler on the earth and you're going to, you're going to just take them on out. And Moses was like, okay, God, hold on, hold up. If I'm going to do this job for you, first of all, you got to tell me what your name is. Like people might ask, what is the name of this God who's doing this? And what am I supposed to tell them? And in Exodus three, God says this, he says to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the God, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my name forever. The name you shall call me from generation to generation. And so God wanted to, his people to know who he was forever, that he was unchanging. And he said, I am, this is who I am since the beginning before the foundation of the world until the end of time. I am. And that name in Hebrew is actually Yahweh, Yahweh. And later in, it, was, it was translated in Latin as Jehovah. And so what we're going to see is throughout history, God shows up with this name, Jehovah, I am over and over and over again. He comes to um, reveal himself to his people as they go through life in every season, in every circumstance, in every situation, he shows up over and over again as I am. And so let me give you a few of these, of these little snippets of when God reveals his name to them. So here we are. The Israelites are now moving out of slavery, um, out of Egypt, into their promised land. And they set out on this journey and they head out into the desert. It's the wilderness. And they are so 
vulnerable. They have, um, all they have with them, all they can provide for themselves is what they can grab on their way as they're rushing out of Egypt, out of the place of slavery, and they are headed into this desert wasteland on this long journey. And think about this for a second. There is no minute clinic there is no drive-through pharmacy. There's no urgent care, no flu shot, no vaccine, right? None of these things. In fact, you guys know that wilderness, a desert, it's a harsh place. Nothing grows. There's no water. There's no handled Stanleys, the gift of the season, right? The handled Stanley to fill up for their journey, to stay hydrated, to get, have everything that they need. And so the Israelites, guys, they are, they're vulnerable. They cannot take care of themselves. And God shows up and he says, I am God, your healer. You can know me. He says, my name is Jehovah Rapha. I am the healing you need in your vulnerability because you can't keep yourself well. You cannot sustain yourself. Jehovah Rapha, I am the healing you need. And then later, as um, Israel is under Moses' leadership, he's been leading them on this really long journey into their promised land. And he hits a moment in his life where he is time to retire. He is 120 years old and he stands in front of the people and he says, I brought you this far all these years, but listen, I can't finish this adventure with you, this journey with you. I'm at the end. I've run my race and now God is going to go with you and do what he said. He's going to take the enemies off the territory that are on, they're on your land. He's going to remove them for you. Listen, God is going to go the rest of the way. But when you face this terrifying future without Moses, who has been like your trusted leader, Listen, God is with you. And God says this, I am near Jehovah Shema. I am the presence that goes with you. I will never leave you. In fact, I am the constant companion that you need when you're facing this without Moses. I am near. Later, God's people, they're established in their land and they're the crops are coming in and they've, they've had these years of peace and they're thriving. They're doing great. And all of a sudden the neighboring nations, these enemy nations rise up against them and they come in and they start bullying Israel. They start picking on them. And what happens is as the crops are like ripening and it's harvest time, these neighboring nations come in and they wipe the crops clean. Like they take every bit of their livelihood, their, their livestock, their cattle, their harvest, their grain picture Grinch coming in to Whoville taking everything like the roast beast and every last can of who hash that's the picture they're experiencing just absolute devastation they're impoverished they are freaking out and God picks this one man Gideon and he's like Gideon you're gonna stand up he's not a leader he's not a military leader but he's like Gideon is gonna come and fight these enemies that are overpowering you to protect you and Gideon is can you imagine absolutely terrified. Like, who am I to do this job? Like, why did you pick me? And God says this, he says this to Gideon, listen, it's going to be okay. I am your peace. Jehovah Shalom. I am peace. I am the peace you need in this terrifying and overwhelming situation. He shows up again. I am peace. All right, and last one, David, who is, uh, again, this young, unqualified shepherd kid. God picks him and says, listen, David, I want you to rule my people on the earth. I want you to rule them as I would in heaven. You're going to be their king on this earth for me. And, um, and David was, again, like, but 
God, these people, they don't, they don't want a ruler like me. They want to do what everyone else is doing. And like, I need wisdom. David's like, I need care. I need someone to look after me and lead me to do this job. And, and God shows up and he says, I am your shepherd, your shepherd, Jehovah Rahab. I am shepherd. I'm the good shepherd that leads you. Okay, do we see the pattern here? Okay, we, we set it all up because we have uh, the Israelites have this need. They're without. They can't for themselves. And God shows up and says, I'm exactly what you need in this moment, in this situation. And in fact, it keeps going in scripture. God shows up and says, I am God, your righteousness, because you can't make yourself right with God. He shows up and says, I am God who sanctifies you because you can't make yourself holy enough to be in God's presence. Or I am God of the angel armies because there is a spiritual battle that rages around you and I send angels to minister and care for you. And then he says this. He says, I am, my notes, wait for it. I am the God who provides because we can't get everything we need for ourselves. I am the God who provides. So God was known by name as everything his people needed. Over and over and over again. He never failed them. He showed up as Jehovah. I am everything you need. Okay, then a little over 2,000 years ago, the chapter turns. And now we hit this new season where in the humblest but grandest of entries, the I am, the same God of the Old Testament, he shows up in our world. He shows up wrapped in swaddling clothes in an obscure town of Bethlehem. And this is what John writes. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one of a kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. The same I am, the same name that was known from a distance to his people on the earth. He came from, uh, from, from heaven in glory to earth. He moved in to the neighborhood. Isn't that a great way to say it? He took on the flesh and blood of a child and moved into our world. We know this famous scripture from Matthew, right? The virgin will conceive a child and she will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, God is with us. God is with us. And so then in the same way that God came to his people in all the different situations and circumstances and seasons of need, the same way that the I am of the Old Testament, here is Jesus showing up as the I am with you in this day, in this age for my people in the same way. So people in Jesus' day, they were experiencing the emptiness of life. King Solomon, who was the wisest man to ever live, he, he wrote, it's meaningless. Like this life is meaningless. Like what's the point of all of this rushing around and getting? What's the point of chasing after this good life? Because really the thrill of it only lasts for a moment. It looks good for a minute. The money, the, the clothes, the fun experience, the best food and drink. But at the end of the day, it leaves you empty. It doesn't satisfy, right? We know the hamster wheel, just chasing that next thing, that next season or the next promotion or the bigger paycheck or the degree, or we understand the hamster wheel, like just chasing after something, like something will fill, right? Something will satisfy this because in our core, we were made for abundant life. 
There is a design in us that seeks abundant life. And we try with everything we have to satisfy that spiritual hunger with things we can get and things we can do and accomplishments and things we can point to. But Jesus said this. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the source that will actually fill you, that will actually satisfy you. It's me. I am the one who has the life that you're looking for, the spiritual life that you're longing for. I am the bread of life. In Jesus' day, people were living in darkness. They had this, this sin that separated them from, from God's presence. And it was, it was kind of like living in the shadows. Have you experienced on like a, a summery day, a, a cool kind of morning where if you move from the shadow to the, out, into, out from the shadows, the warmth, the change in temperature instantly, it's like, oh, right? Well, people were living in this like spiritual shadow land. It was cold and they, were, they had no vision. There was no hope. There was no help for anything more for their lives. And it was cold and it was dark. And in the darkness of human condition, Jesus came and said, I am the light of the world. It's me. I shine into darkness and not a bit of darkness can stay in my presence. I actually shine in the darkest of places. And you know what? Nothing can actually even comprehend the brightness of my shining. I am the light of the world. People couldn't find their way into God's presence. They couldn't earn friendship with God. I don't know if you've ever heard about the law, the Old Testament law, but there were like over 600 essentially rules that you had to follow to be able to earn good standing with God. And they had these, these priests that were set apart and the high priest could actually only go into God's presence like once a year. Like it was such a big deal, but there was this veil. There's a separation between God and his glorious presence. But Jesus says, listen, I am the gate. I am the way into God's presence forever. I am the way through eternal condemnation and guilt and shame. Listen, I'll provide access to the grace and the mercy and the compassion that your soul longs for. I'm the gate. I'm the gate. We don't know how to navigate this life. Like, we don't know what is really true, do we? Like, we have our ideas of true, but do you ever wonder, like, is my idea of true like really true or is it kind of like like if you think about like a counterfeit bill like it looks right but are we walking around sometimes with like the counterfeit bills of truth in our pockets going well it's true to me but I don't know if it's really true like what if my best idea of right is just partial at best right what if I'm missing something and we struggle with some doubt and some some confusion and we wonder like can I really know truth could I really know truth and Jesus says this I am the way the truth in the life. It's me. I am completely true. I never miss, miss a, a, a turn. I, I never miss a way. I can navigate you out of any dead end situation. You can count on me to, to be true and to reveal truth. It's me. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one could provide for life after death. No one could. No one could take care of their own eternal well-being And Jesus in the midst of it says, I am the resurrection and the life. I have overcome death itself on the cross. I have overcome the grave and I have the power to bring back that which is dead in your own life, that which you are completely incapable of reviving. It's me. I am the resurrection and the life. 
In this life it, that we know right here on this earth, it is passing away. And everything that we think is good here, man, it is just a glimpse. It's just a glimpse of the joy and the glory that is to come in eternity. So here we have Jesus continuing to reveal his name, just like God of the Old Testament did over and over and over. For everything you need, I am. I am. And the next part is up to us. Because Jesus says to us, just like he did to his disciples, and he says, what about you? Who do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Who will I be to you in your life, in your everyday life? So let me give you an example about how we might answer this. So on August 2nd, 1997, I walked down the aisle in a fancy room full of friends and family and, um, and pledged my life and my love to my boyfriend at the time. And after just this beautiful ceremony and layered cake with white chocolate bows and dancing to some Ario Speedwagon and all the 90s music that we could for a night, our, my relationship with my my boyfriend at the time it changed in a matter of moments and so did Kevin's name to me right he was no longer my boyfriend or my fiance or just a guy in my class or a study partner no all of a sudden he became husband he took a new name to me husband but here's the deal I didn't just call him husband and then went on living the single life that I had before this moment I didn't. I didn't just go, well, it was just a technicality. Like you're, you're just husband and, and it, it's like a technicality, right? But you're husband, but I live, live my own single life like I did before. I make my own plans. I have my own bank account, my own relationships, right? No, he, he wasn't just husband according to a marriage certificate or a ring on my, on my finger or the VHS camcorder tape that we have from his cousin. No, he became husband to me when I lined up my life with Kevin as husband. When I began to rely on him as husband, trust him as husband, live within him, treat, treat him as husband. I lived out my life according to what I would call him, right? You are husband to me. I give you that place in my life. So I'll tell you things that I don't tell everyone else. I'll let you into my innermost thoughts and my dreams and my hopes and my quirks, right? I, I won't stay out late if you're waiting, if you're at home waiting for me. I'll talk to you before I make my own plans. I'll let you in even to my unlovable, yes, there are unlovable moments in my life, right? If something breaks on my car, well, I'm going to rely on your husbandness. I will. I'll even let you hold my hair back when I'm sick to my stomach. In fact, I will want you there when I'm sick to my stomach. I will actually want you there. I'll cry with you. I'll let you comfort me when I'm hurting. I will scrub your cheesy soup dishes out of the sink. Kevin thinks they have to soak for a few days. Okay. I'll share my paycheck with you. I'll write you cards to encourage you. I'll trust you with my well-being, right? I don't look to other men for companionship. I'm not on dating apps. I'm not asking my friends to set me up with their friends. Why? Because you will be husband to me. 
I will call you husband in my everyday life. So I had a moment in time with a wedding ceremony, but what really mattered was the rest of my life. What really mattered was the Monday morning and the Wednesday night. You'll be called husband across my life. It's what it means to actually believe on the name of husband. Well, in the same way, we are asked to believe on the name of Jesus. That's what it says in John 1, 12, to believe on his name. So that means we don't call him shepherd and then we just go on providing for ourselves. We call Jesus shepherd and then we expect him or we let him lead us. So when we need direction in a relationship and we're wondering, is, is this a good, healthy relationship for me? And how much should I invest in this relationship? And is this going to be something that is, is going to be good for my long-term being? We come to Jesus and we let him shepherd us. You will be shepherd, right? We don't call him the way and then live according to our own plans. We can't say, Jesus, you're the way, but I'm going to stay in control of everything that happens in my life. No, we don't necessarily get to decide who is worthy of our love. We don't get to decide if we're going to give forgiveness to this person and not that person. I don't choose how to spend my own time, right? I'm, I come to Jesus and I'm like, listen, you have talked about abundant life. So I submit my plans and my thoughts and my life to you because you are the way. So who are you following? Is he the way for you? Or we say, Jesus, you are healer to me. So when my heart is broken and it's in a thousand pieces and shredded, well, then I come into your presence and I bring you my heart and I bring you the pieces to let you knit them back together because you are healer to me. So when I'm sick and when I'm hurting and when I'm needing, I reach for you and say, Jesus, you are healer to me. When I feel like my best efforts just aren't producing the satisfied, satisfying life that I hope for, I come to Jesus and I say, you are life. You are good life for me, right? Like this is it. I will live according to your joy and your peace and your, your ways and not necessarily what the culture calls the good life. The last one here. Is when you can't find answers or you're lacking understanding or you're lacking wisdom, when you think you know better, will Jesus be wisdom for you? Will he be truth for you when you need a, a compass that will hold in this life? Will he be truth to you? So this is the question before you this Christmas and this upcoming year. Will Jesus be called all that he is, the great I am in your life? What will your life call him? Will your life receive him as he is in fullness? Will you believe on his name this Christmas? For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. But the rest is up to you. What will he be called in your life? What will he be called? And so what we're going to do is we're going to take a second and pray here. And in this prayer time that we're going to do in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to, to stand up with me, but I'm going to tell you what to expect first. And what we're going to do is we're going to just stand, if you're willing, with your hands open, like you're going to receive a gift, the gift of Jesus. 
in his name this Christmas. And you're going to put your hands up like this and we're going to close our eyes. And and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And I'm going to pray through some of these names of Jesus that he gave us to call on him. And when you hear one that you want to call Jesus this Christmas, I'm going to ask you to just turn your hand up like this. Like, I will call you this. Okay, it's just a simple response. Sometimes it helps our heart to just like do something with our hands when we're praying, right? So just going to turn your hand up like, yes, I will call you that this Christmas. And maybe you've kind of done your own thing and gone your own way this Christmas. And when I say, you know, Jesus, you are shepherd, you're just going to go, Jesus, I will let you lead me. You are shepherd to me. Or Jesus, you know what? It feels really dark, but you are light to me. Or you're the way I choose this year. Okay, so it's just between you and God. We're going to have our eyes closed because that's what we do when we pray, right? It's just between you and God, but it's a chance to respond. So why don't we stand up? And we're just going to pray. God knows our hearts, our prayers. He hears us. He sees us. So we're just going to stand with our hands open. And I'm going to pray through some of these names. Jesus, you are the bread of life. You are the bread of life, which means I will let you sustain me. You will provide what I need. You will give me ability day by day. It means I won't feed myself on money, fun, applause, but on your very presence with me. So that's a, if that's you, just put your hand up. I will call you bread of life to provide, to fill, to satisfy me. Okay, Jesus, you are light of the world. You are light of the world, and you are the bright source of hope in my darkness. In fact, you are unstoppable in the darkness, and I receive your light in my life to push back the darkness that seems to creep in. You are my joy, and you give joy for my morning. And when I can't see, you are the light that surrounds me. So this Christmas, just put your hand up. I will call you the light of the world and you will shine into my darkness. You are the light of the world. Jesus, you are the good shepherd who leads me. And I know I want to lead myself, but today in my life, I will call you shepherd. I will follow where you are going. And when I want to be in charge and in control and I can't, I will call you shepherd and let you call the shots. I trust you as shepherd that you have the way through. So if that's you, just put your hand up. Jesus, I will call you shepherd this Christmas. And lastly, Jesus, you are resurrection life. You have overcome death itself. You have paid the price for my sin by laying down your life on the cross. What I couldn't earn for myself, fix for myself, or do for myself, you've done when you conquered the grave and rose up again so that I have the hope of eternal life in God's presence. You have overcome the impossible for me. So, Jesus, right now I put my hand up and I say, you are resurrection life to me. And from here on out, I hope alone, I hope alone in what you've done for me and what you've paid for me that you are my Savior. I call you resurrection life. So God, I bless us as a church to believe on your name, 
to receive all of who you are. That you would just start today. This is just a new start today to reveal yourself to us, to show us what we get to call you, the relationship we get to have day in and day out. And so God, will you help us be present to your presence, the I am with you. Will you help us be present with you. You're what we long for, what we hope for, and everything we need, and we love you and bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.